time to wake up. It's Saturday morning. Find some milk and cereal. Grab a bowl and spoon. No, a bigger spoon. Head to the living room and take a seat on the floor. But Joseph and Chris present to you... Saturday Morning Cartoon! Hello everybody and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoon Boom! Chris nods his head in agreement. This is a show where we wake up with the Saturday morning sun, plop down on the living room floor with a big bowl of sugary cereal, and watch all your favorite cartoons, both old and new. I'm Joseph. And I'm Chris. And this morning, we watch Star Wars Droids. And this was recommended by Bean Bunny via YouTube. And yeah, Bean Bunny from the Muppet Babies, because that was the icon, was that character. So it was him back for revenge. But he did me a favor. So thanks, Bean Bunny. Yeah. We are the E. E, E. No, wait, that's the other one. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think this theme song was worse than Ewoks, honestly. This theme song was terrible. Like, I did not yeah. like this theme song. It might be the worst theme song of all time. Like, as, like the vocals were way louder than the rest of it, and it just sounded awful. It didn't really seem like Ugh. a theme song for anything exciting at all. No, not at all. It, Which really suits the show. So. Oh, well... I, I disagree with that part of it, but the theme song, I can completely side with you in that I did not like it. It just doesn't yeah. scream. If I'm a kid watching this, I'm thinking like, um, you know, Murphy Brown or something is coming on. Like, that's the kind of pace yeah. that it was. And it really didn't feel like Dragnet. a cartoon. Yeah. Drag, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Perry Mason. Chubby Mason. Chubby and Mason. The Wild Oats. And the Wild Oats. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that one. <laughs> Call back. Star Wars Droids, The Adventures of R2-D2 and C-3PO is, is its full title, aired from 1985 to 1986, um, also called, when it was released on DVD in 2004, Star Wars Animated Adventures Droids, so it's gone by a couple names, created by George Lucas, Ben Burt, Raymond Jaffalis, Clive Smith, and Ken Stevenson, produced by Lucasfilm and Nelvana Limited, who actually did Wildcats as well, Nelvana. Really? Yeah, Canadian nice. company. Oh, those silly Canadians. <laughs> there is one season, 13 episodes, also like Wildcats. And there was a TV special for this one called The Great Heap. <laughs> that seems aptly a name. It was on ABC. Uh, for a short synopsis, this series recounts the adventures of C-3PO and R2-DT before they met Luke Skywalker as they serve various masters over the years. Pretty accurate. Yeah, that is accurate. Yeah. You're not wrong. <laughs> so who... Are- you seem very excited about this episode. Who are some actors in it in the in the series? Um, well, we have C three PO voiced by Anthony Daniels, which is awesome because he's voiced by the same person as the movies. Yeah. So that was really cool, and that was probably my favorite part of the show was getting to hear him like reprise the role. Um, and he sounds exactly the same, and it was a lot of fun to hear that. Yeah, definitely. The characters of Size From and Mungo Boabab. <laughs> God, these names. Star Wars. <laughs> they were voiced by Winston Record, who's mostly in the kind of guest star television circuit, but he was in a TV show for six years in the late 80s and early 90s called Neon Rider, which Ooh. sounds really awesome, but then you look at it and it looks like it's about a family who really likes horses. <laughs> <laughs> George Dusat was voiced by Peter McNeil, who's done lots of TV shows, made for TV movies. But because I brought it up last episode, I have to say that he was also 
in Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future as Major Matthew Hawk Masterson. Seriously, go check out Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future because it's the most 80s thing ever made, and you will thank us. <laughs> Seriously, do it right now. Wait, no, wait. Listen to the end of this episode and then go do it. <laughs> the character of Thal Jobin was voiced by Rob Cowan, who was on um, lots of cartoons, Super Mario Brothers, Super Show, ALF, Starcom, Monster Force, which I didn't know was the thing, and oh, now I do. That sounds now, amazing. Yeah, we might have to hit that one at some point. But not before we do Elf, because I just remembered that was a cartoon after you said that. Oh my god, Elf. (laughs) Another person who voiced Jord, but only in episode number four, and he was also the voice of Governor Kung, was Dan Hennessy, who's been in a ton of cartoons. Um, He did some additional voices in Ewoks. He voiced in Inspector Gadget, Care Bears, Cops, RoboCop, Super Mario Brothers 3 Adventures. The list goes on and on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Tons and tons of 80s and 90s cartoons. And then the last but not least, the character of Kia Mall was voiced by Leslie Donaldson, which she only really did additional voices in Ewoks and then has mostly just been in some random like B-horror films and that's it. Hmm. Also, uh, Cree Summer had a role in the show as Princess Garen, who we didn't see in the episodes that we watched. And also, additionally, there is a character named Kaibo Ren. Not Kylo Ren, Kaibo Ren. Oh. Like, literally, they just replaced the B with an L and then made that the movie character. So that's a character pulled almost straight from Star Wars droids. Yeah, probably, like, I, I I don't know what the character actually looks like or, or talks or what he does, but the name... At least the name. Yeah, the name is, like, almost exact. Just one letter difference. There's no way they didn't pull that from the animated cartoon. That's awesome. I like hearing stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Cool little Easter eggs. So for a few tasty marshmallows out of our big bowl of droid cereal? I don't know. Robotic cereal? Yeah. Metal cereal? Uh, Who knows? Lots of oil and stuff in it. It's coated with oil. The series takes place between the events depicted in Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, and Star Wars Episode 4, A New Hope. The entire show was rebroadcast as part of the Ewoks and Droids Adventure Hour the same year that they both ended, which is, uh, not 2000, which was 1986. And the shows were also played on the Sci-Fi Channel in 96 as part of their early morning sci-fi cartoon run, although they were both somewhat edited for time. I didn't realize sci-fi was around that long ago. Holy cow. Yeah, I never realized they had a... A Saturday morning cartoon portion. I never even knew sci-fi was a thing until probably like the 2000s, honestly. Was that after they changed the name to SYFY? No, because that was more recent. That was like in the last decade or so. Like, I remember seeing it when it actually looked like sci-fi. Yeah. I miss those days. Aw. Aw. The famous droid duo faced off against gangsters, criminals, pirates, Boba Fett, IG-88, the Galactic Empire, and several threats throughout the series. And Max Rebo Band also made an appearance. Jabba was mentioned, Jabba the Hutt, and yeah, uh, yeah they were. And the Emperor was mentioned, just like in Ewoks, but he was never shown. I don't know why. What their deal is with showing the Emperor? That's weird. Like, yeah, because there was a perfect opportunity for him to show up in Ewoks. Yeah, like, even if they didn't voice him, like, it doesn't matter. Just show him. Give us an emperor. Come on. The 2004 DVD that I mentioned earlier that was released was only eight of the 13 episodes. 
5 through 8 and 10 through 13, those episodes were put together as two full-length movies. And there's really? been no complete compilation of the individual episodes that have ever been released. There were, oh, that's weird. Yeah, I know. There were computer games, books, toys, and comics based off of this series. Even Dark Horse did a run on uh, Star Wars droids. Really? Which is not maybe directly tied to the series in general, but it's still C-3PO, R2-D2 as the, the primary characters of the series. In several places in this, there's a couple of things. In several places, the prequel trilogy references elements from the droids animated series, and this is possibly due to Ben Burt's large involvement in both story elements for the animated series and his involvement in the prequels as I think he was uh, the sound designer for the Star Wars prequels. So this is canon, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, at least loosely. Here's part of it. Uh, Mungo Baobab's hunt for the runestones is later connected to the story of the Star Wars novel Shadows of the Empire. Wow. Yeah. So I haven't read that, so I don't know. Oh, but it's some I'm going to give it a stuff. wow. Wow. It, yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it deserves a wow. Uh, actually, the speaking of the theme song like we were earlier, In Trouble Again... It was written and performed by Stuart Copeland, who was a member of the police. Oh, yeah. I know who Stuart Copeland is. What did he do? Like, that, <laughs> Why? Yeah. What? Yeah. Who paid him money to make this the worst theme song ever? They're like, you know, it'd be <laughs> funny. Like, I will give you $100 if you make the crappiest theme song for this cartoon ever. Oh. And he's like, I'll do it. Deal. Yes. So do you have any memories of this series at all? Nope. <laughs> I, I always go really long into like explaining it when I don't have anything and I'm doing that right now, but I'm going to stop. No, I have no memories of this. I never nope. saw it. Man. Didn't know it existed. As a longtime Star Wars fan, I've known the series existed, but I never had much interest in watching it because I, I never really thought they could do a lot with just, you know, R2-D2 and C-3PO. But after watching this morning's show, I, I understand now how they use them, very similar to how they use them in the movies, which is as side characters who are very important parts of the plot sometimes. Like, yeah. they're plot drivers, but they're not necessarily the focus. It's like they are, but they aren't. And they did did that in the movies, you know, where like, if R2 hadn't been there in, in New Hope, then everybody would have died in the trash compactor. So, right. He's a super important part of the series, but he's not the focus of it. And that's the, kind of the same thing they did with the cartoon, I thought. That's how I felt about it. That was one of my gripes about it is I get why they use the droids the way they did. I just feel like if you use them, though, where they're not the main characters, you know, like the other people they interact with are like the ones driving the plot of the story and the ones moving the thing along. And they're kind of feel like the droids are there as support. And they kind of are sometimes catalysts for things that happen, but we're really watching the progression of other characters and not R2-D2 or C-3PO. So I'm like, if that's the case, I mean, if they're not your main characters, don't name the the show droids because I'm like, oh, man, it's just going to be them getting into hijinks. Like every <laughs> episode is going to be something goofy happening to them. And that really wasn't the case, and I was, like, really disappointed by that. Well, let's go ahead and talk about the episodes we watched for today's show. The very first episode, highest rated episode, and finally, random listener chosen episode. Order may vary depending on how these episodes fall chronologically. But of course, we have to start with the very first episode being The White Witch, Season 1, Episode 1. And this one's kind of like, after being jettisoned over the 
deserts of Ingo, which is the name of the planet they were on, by an unscrupulous former master, C-3PO and R2-D2 are taken in by speeder bike racers George Dusat and Thal Jobin. So one thing that I was really confused about, so isn't Jabba on Tatooine? Isn't that where his criminal organization is? Uh-huh. But the the bad guys on this planet are talking about run-ins with Jabba. So I'm like, did he just switch from one desert planet to another desert planet, or did somebody screw up? Well, I feel like it's less the planets that they own and more kind of the areas that they're in. Like, all the planets are still part of this universe or part of this galaxy right. where these gangsters are. And it's almost like territory. So it's like these gangsters own this planet, Jabba owns Tatooine, kind of, and, you know, so on. That's so, how I looked at it. Just as as reference, so it would be more like instead of it taking place in, let's say, there's a bunch of crime families in Chicago, Jabba's actually got his hand in Chicago, in Los Angeles, in Detroit, things like that. So, like... It could be like Jabba's over here in Chicago, but this is taking place in Detroit, and he still has a big presence there. Like that kind of situation, you're saying? Yeah, that's how I'm looking at it. I, I think okay. Jabba's just infamous, at least at this point in the series. He's like the Al Capone of the Star Wars galaxy. Yeah, pretty much. So in this episode, they okay, so they get rescued, and these are kind of their first masters, um, Jord and Thal. And they are not pod racers or anything. They are speeder racers, which is kind of the same thing, but it's these speeders instead. And their primary goal is to get this. The White Witch is their speeder, their like secret project speeder that they're trying to get out there to win this race. And that's on a different planet. I can't remember the name of that planet. That's their goal at this time. And they take R2-D2 right. and C-3PO in because they're they're good people. Yeah. And, and you know, droids. Droids are worth things. Yeah. So, and they can help you with stuff. R2-D2 is like, yay. And C-3PO is <laughs> like, hey, I can do all these things. And they're like, who cares? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which seems to reoccur through the whole series is like C-3PO like really tries to impress everybody, but like nobody cares and they just kind of ignore him and everybody <laughs> loves R2-D2. Yeah. It's which like, is kind of how the real movies are. Like, yeah, you know, fans love R2-D2 and nobody really cares about C-3PO. Yeah. It's like C-3PO has a presence, but all he is really capable of is, you know, he knows over a million languages. That's his thing. He's yeah. a translation droid. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. We have Rosetta Stone, dude. Like, no one <laughs> <Yeah>. needs you. <laughs> well, this is in a galaxy far, far away a long time ago. Yeah. So this is before Rosetta Stone. Before Rosetta Stone, oh, yeah. we had C-3PO. You know what? This That brings up something that I was thinking um, during... I don't think it was during this episode, but I think it was during this next episode um, that we watched. But basically, there was, a, there was a point in time where a couple of the characters really needed to warn two of the other characters about something. And the other two characters... That's very vague. The other... Well, yeah, I don't want to, like, spoil it before we get to the episode. But the other two characters had had gone off on the speeder that had an explosive on it. They're like, oh, no, like, how do we how do we tell them? I'm like, okay, let's just think about this for a minute. You guys can build Star Destroyers and all these spaceships and speeders and speeder bikes. And you can build Death Stars and you got lightsabers and nobody... No one has a damn cell phone. 
Like nobody, <laughs> how could that be like overlooked? Just a simple communication tool. And like they've got all these other such advanced things and no one's got a phone. Just kind of riffraff though. Like they're not rich or anything. They are kind of scrap hoarders and they're building their stuff from scratch. So yeah, it kind of makes sense so. to me that they wouldn't have any kind of communication devices. But I mean, like none of the Star Wars universe really has it, though. Aside from the the Empire has some hologram stuff, but that's it. Yeah, that's really mostly what it is. It's It's holograms and... You know, uh, computer displays. It's, it's kind of like they went from having nothing to Skype and did not invent the cell phone in between. <laughs> yeah, you skipped an important step. Right. But back to the episode. They have, uh, they run into the, the From gang accidentally who are looking to create this weapon called the Trigon 1. It's a criminal weapon to basically help them become the head of the, the criminal organizations. Um, all the um, good guy characters, they all look like they're a combination of Star Wars and Mad Max. Like they're one's got like a uh, metal shoulder plate on one side mm-hmm. and they've got like mullets that have been turned into mohawks and stuff like that. Well, that's kind of how how it's always been with like swoop racers, speeder racers and stuff yeah. like that. I mean, and just especially out of criminal organizations and on planets like Tatooine and stuff, too. Right. So, and Tia Mala looks like she's got a furry butt on top of her head. You know what? It's weird. Like, she looks human otherwise. So I wonder if she's like a Zabrak or something because Zabraks I are like... I don't know what that means. Darth Maul is a Zabrak. And um, the way that they have... Like, they have horns on their head and stuff usually, but they're different styles. And sometimes they have hair with those horns. So if hmm. I were to say she was any race, then Zabrak would be my guess. But... They might not but have the, even thought that far into it. Don't they also have, like, weird coloring and stuff, though? Like, they're not, like, flesh-colored. They're, like, no, red they, or yellow. They can, be they? Flesh, they can be flesh-colored, too. Um, oh, really? Yeah, Darth Maul is... I mean, he is, he is I believe, red, but he's tattooed yeah. all over, too, with those Sith tattoos. Oh, I didn't realize those were tattoos. I just assumed that that was his natural skin. No, because if you look at uh, more of the extended universe, there's also Dark Talon, who is a female... Uh, Twi'lek, and she is... I mean, Twi'leks just have kind of a natural skin color, but she's got those black tattoos all over, and she's red as well. Oh, cool. Yep. In in this episode, how did it get to the point where the Fromm family encountered the Speeders? Well, it was... It originally happened because they... Um, the Speeders were crossing through this part of the desert mm-hmm. to get back to wherever they wanted to go to, and they happened to pass by, like, some sentry like some sentry bots oh, yeah. that they had placed out there to keep people right. from finding their base and they came across it. So one of the sentry bots shot down one of the speeders and um and C three PO got flung from it and so did um one of the other guys who gets captured, Jordan. Yep. And then Kia Mall is like, Hey I'll help you, yay. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, Kia Mall is a rebel spy actually. Oh, I didn't realize that that yep. she was a supposed to be a spy. Yeah, I don't think I don't I, know if it mentioned it her. in this episode. Yeah, she was pretty cool. She's like one of the few characters I actually enjoyed. Overall, I think I I like something about all the characters. Like there weren't any that I really detested. So so they um Kia and Thal go in, rescue George from From Secret Base and destroy kind of make his own droid army destroy itself in a way. Yeah. And um they they escape and that's the end of that episode. Well, one thing that I didn't like 
about this too is that I thought it was silly that they threw a lightsaber in because like oh, Fall had a lightsaber. And I forgot he's like, about oh, that. Yeah. And I'm like, I get it. You know, it's Star Wars, but there's plenty of other references. We can have a character that doesn't have a lightsaber. It's not necessary. So I just, I just thought that was kind of silly. Like it was a man. We really need to make sure people understand this is Star Wars. So here yeah. you go. Yeah, I think out of all the episodes that we watched, this one was probably the weakest for me, just because of things like that. Like I, you know, like you said, I I get what they were doing, but at the same time, it felt really out of place because it couldn't have been um, Obi Wan because it's not Tatooine. So right, exactly. And who else has a blue lightsaber like that? I don't know. It was. Yeah, and you knew it was just dots that they weren't going to connect either. Yeah, and I need those. I need those dots connected, and that bothers me. For a lot of reasons, but... Yeah, I, I thought it was unnecessary and kind yeah. of a poor choice. And also, like, the bad guy droids are not durable at all. I hope that they still had the receipts on those things, because <laughs> those two, like, two of them just bump into each other and explode, just this huge explosion yeah, yeah, of yeah, parts yeah. going everywhere. I'm like, wow, <laughs> not built to standard. No. Uh, this is the episode where, at the end, they're getting chased down in space. Was that this episode? Yeah, at the very end of this, they launch into space yes, to get and, to that planet with the race. Right, and um, Size and Tig from they are aboard a Lambda, an Imperial Lambda shuttle, which is the one that kind of looks like a big Y, like an upside down Y. You know way too much about Star <laughs> <laughs> It's just, those. I appreciate those things. Those are like little uh, little Easter eggs for me. And so, but it, it's been, it was dismantled. It's one they clearly found and kind of scrapped together and yeah. because it's in disarray. It's hardly working. And they managed to escape just by the skin of their teeth by kind of going into hyperspace right before they're shot with these mega lasers on the, on the Lambda shuttle. So yeah, I just wanted to mention that because I like those shuttles, but okay. Yeah. So next episode, a race to the finish season one, episode four, high straight episode. I can see why actually. And I'll, I'll yeah, talk about that a little bit. There's a very specific reason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the team travels to the planet Bunta. That's what it's called. Uh, to take part Bunta. in a speeder racing event, but are followed by the Froms who enlist Boba Fett to exact revenge on the speeder racers. Ta-da, that's why it's the highest rated. <laughs> yeah, this is a weird-looking Boba Fett. Um, well, not weird-looking, I guess, but his color, his coloration yeah, is strange. It, it did not matter. Like, the green wasn't really there, and the red wasn't really... It was more like grays and browns and oranges and stuff. He kind of reminds me of, like, some of those old, like, Boba Fett toys that were, like, discolored and stuff. Oh, yeah, like, they were just thrown together really cheaply and just to have something to sell. Yeah, I, I really yeah. didn't get why they used that color scheme for him, but whatever. So this is where, like, I, I got really disappointed because then I realized, I kind of realized at the end of the first episode, but even more once this picked up and I was like, man, you know, like I said, I was really hoping this would be like a every episode, just R2 and C-3PO just getting into silly situations and shenanigans and stuff and just getting in trouble like, I did not want the other characters to keep carrying over. So mm. when they when they did in this one, I was like, man, like, I want to I want to <laughs> see some fun droid stuff. Like, I could give a crap about these speeder people. Like, at least I liked um, Kia a bit, but um, that was about it. You know what? This kind of reminds me of if you look at it like 
an anthology film or where it's like different stories interconnected by um, certain aspects and C-3PO and R2-D2 would be those interconnections. And I liked right. that because I like to hear those stories of a different section of the universe, like um, yeah. the outskirts. And that's cool. I like that's what I liked about it. And that's not for everybody, clearly. Yeah. But for <laughs> me, for me, that was my favorite part of it. I was less interested in hearing about C-3PO and R2-D2 stories because Really, like I said, what can they do with those so much that would make them interesting as solo characters? But yeah, yeah I get you. Like, I, I think it was a, a case where like this kind of show, I expected it to not be a character progression driven show, just a, you know, almost like a, an Abbott and Costello kind of thing. Like, mm, let's just like throw every these, episode's different. Y- yeah, they just throw these two into a situation every time and we just see all their hijinks. But instead, it was like they here's them meeting this group of people, and we'll get through their journey, and then they're gonna meet this other group of people and get through their journey. It's gonna last several episodes, and I'm like, bah. You know what show did that and did not succeed? Slimer and the Real Ghostbusters. Blech. That was a unique Go Slimer wash story. Your mouth every out with episode. soap right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I, I think. I like what they did with this one, but anyway, I like the plant they they um, landed on because it reminds me of the Junkions from the Transformers movie mm. cartoon, like um, not the Michael Bay crap. The yeah, I know. 80s cartoon. Like, I love the Junkions in that <laughs> universe. So this reminded me of that because it was kind of a junky planet and like they encountered that robot with like the cane and stuff. Yeah. And he's a little junky and old and kind of scrappy. I like him. Yeah, uh, his name was Proto One. This it's it's a yeah. big garbage planet, kind of like Earth's gonna be in the future. And right. as Wally showed us, and this one, I thought it was interesting because yes, uh, we do get to see Boba Fett. We get the reveal, and we get the reveal also that he is he's still infamous. The way he goes about it is interesting because he's it's kind of like a he sends in a droid uh, called BL Seventeen, and who's also kind of a protocol unit like C three PO. Which, to bring C-3PO into this, makes C-3PO kind of relate to him more than he does R2-D2 at this time. They are facing up against BL-17, who eventually reveals himself after he kind of cuts the top off of one of the the gas canisters within the garage that they're working on their speeder in. And almost kills Kia Maul. She passes out. Luckily, um, how does... Oh, the gate's pushed open by R2-D2. Like, he's able yeah. to get this larger kind of... Um, it's like a garage door, basically. Yeah, just, like, get it pushed rips over. rips it off. <laughs> yeah. That nearly falls on Tig, who is, <laughs> who is still here trying to sabotage everything himself. Actually, he's doing that because he, he brought the bodyguard with him. I can't remember the bodyguard's name. Uh, it was Tig and that bodyguard together to try yeah. to best Thal and Jord in order to show his father's size that they can do it and they don't need to resort to a bounty hunter. So one thing that I didn't understand was at one point um, when it turned out BL-17 was like, you know, bad. And um, so he calls C-3PO a chrome dome. And I'm like, how is that an insult if it's one droid calling another droid a chrome dome? That'd be like be like me calling you a fleshy mammal. Yeah. And you'd be like, well, you know, yeah, we all are. I mean, that's a given. So well, I was like, maybe it's the tone. Way to go, you mammal with skin. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a fact. So thanks. 
the uh, TIGS plan is to put a thermal detonator onto the speeder so that after 10 laps, it would explode. Boba Fett came in to chase them down. Unfortunately, Boba Fett was in a speeder also and not in the Slave 1. We didn't get to see the Slave yeah, 1. Yeah, I was disappointed. I was yeah, like, man. I was a little disappointed in that. But anyway, so they he's chasing after him. Unknowingly, the thermal detonator that's supposed to go off, I, it gets rejected. I think, does R2-D2, like, push it off or something? Or does he even know about it? Or does it just fall off by coincidence? It's like something happenstance ended up making it fall off and didn't it damage Boba Fett's speeder yeah he, it, it damages it pretty much destroyed his speeder and which ruined his hunt yeah. which yeah. really upsets him and since he was just doing this as a favor to size but also mentions that size has a big bounty on his head from Jabba the Hutt decides to go the other direction and take the Froms in to Jabba to claim that reward since right this one's not worth anything to him anyway these speeders I don't want to read any more into it, but do you think it was kind of out of character, maybe a little misogynist, that at the end of the race, um, so Kia Maul, who has had no hint of feelings for Thal at all, um, like runs up and kisses him when he wins the race. And like, I, I feel like that was just the writers kind of going, well, of course that's what a female would do if a if a good-looking guy won a race. They would run over and hug and kiss him. <laughs> I'm like, no, that that didn't like really jive with her personality at all i didn't think so i thought that was really strange that they threw it in and it kind of kind of goes against archie's way which is kissing is a thing to do when you're sad and feeling blue like you just yeah, want to race when he's not sad yeah. yeah he's got no time for so for there, was, there was no place kissing. for kissing right then yeah it was th- i thought it was weird i also am wondering why <laughs> most of the talking droids have british accents uh, i didn't but i mean a lot of people strangely have british accents in the star wars universe that's true c-3po and proto one both have british accents yeah so i was like i wonder why that is maybe a british person does like originally designed or programmed the voice boxes for a lot of um specific droids or something or lines of droids i don't know could be i mean a lot of the empire has uh, british members to it you know um obi-wan i don't know a lot of the star wars universe is british go back to that which is weird because Britain doesn't even exist in the Star Wars universe, right? Yeah. Doesn't that, doesn't that screw with your head a little bit? It's just like, where? what would you call the origin of that accent? Who knows? Exactly. So what it turns into after they win this race, or after Thal wins this race, is Zebulon Dax, the head of a speeder corporation, offers him a job because he, the White Witch is what won the race, and he sees potential in that. But he also has a strict policy against droids where they have to get kind of their personalities erased and reset to where they can become laborers for the uh, Speeder Corporation. And because of that, Thal and the crew decide they're just going to go off. Like he denies the request and he's like, no, I can't do it because RC2 and C3PO are good friends and we're not going to treat them like that. So. And what I really liked about this episode, actually really liked this, where in flying off, C-3PO and R2-D2 make the decision to jettison from the ship in order to allow Thal and the rest to pursue their dreams and not hinder them. And I thought that was a very kind of mature thing to do. Uh, Really an interesting topic to cover. 
I agree. And it was kind of, it was sort of sad and kind of nice at the same time. And then you realize that they jettisoned, but the others still went into like light speed. And so they're going to be very, very, very far away before they realize that the droids aren't even there anymore. (laughs) And so they're going to be like, oh man, now we don't have the droids and I didn't show up on time for that job. So now we got nothing. (laughs) I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Like I, I, I mean, that's true, but it's not even like, I didn't look at it that way. I looked at it as a very sweet moment and I appreciated it for what it was. (laughs) I'm just trying to destroy that sweet moment. You can't. Pointing out the flaws. Not in my heart. We may be surrounded by nothing, but we do have something, friend. That's what C-3PO says. How sweet. That was so cheesy. Oh, I love it. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, Well, that is into that episode. Moves us on to the last episode we watched for today's show, which was The Frozen Citadel. Season 1, episode... Is that how you say it? Citadel? Citadel? How do you say that? I think think Citadel. Citadel? Okay. The Frozen Citadel. Season 1, episode 13. This was chosen by Chris. Why? Yeah, it was chosen for me because it was the last episode. <laughs> okay. And well, because with when we watched Star Wars Ewoks, there was a huge change in production and everything mm-hmm. from the beginning of the series towards the end of the series. Like there was a giant difference in, in so much because the other episodes we watched was the first and then the fourth episode. So I was like, OK, I want to see what it looks like at the end if this had any like big differences or anything like that also there was no difference really in production but i mean we had a lot of different characters and stuff like that so i'm guessing that after they jettisoned from that ship they never saw those that one group again even though on imdb they're listed as being in every episode but we know that that's not the case no i i think i don't know how many masters or whatever they went under I, at least 3 within the series i believe the that was just a section of their adventure and the the next master actually what's interesting about this one right as it gets started we see that the the teleplay for this was written by paul dini they were probably like paul we know that writing for ewoks kind of sucks but you would do us a solid if you would write for this one too and he's like (laughs) how much money do you got (laughs) i mean they were both airing at the same time so it makes sense that they would utilize him as well since he was already there so in this episode uh, Mungo, 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 was it Mungo? Um, I think Mungo. M- Mungo. Yeah. In this episode, Mungo Baobab, Mungo, yeah, Mungo Baobab and the droids. <laughs> Try to say that three times really quick. <laughs> I can't, Do there's it. no way. Mungo Baobab, Mungo Baobab, Mungo Baobab. Hey, you did it though. Yeah, kind of. It, it started to fall off. I felt it. Uh, <laughs> and, the, and the droids continue their search for the rune stones, but General Kung makes trouble for our heroes. Let me just say, first off. This entire time, I thought they were saying General Kuhn, and I was like, oh, man, <laughs> that is not cool, Star Wars. But and then I read it after I, I, you know, I read the credits yeah. of it, and I was like, oh, okay, there's a, Kuhn, there's a G there's at a the end. G at the end, yeah, that makes it okay. Yeah. <laughs> but Kuhn's voice is terrible. It doesn't make sense coming out of that body. Like, if it was an alien, <laughs> I, w- I would understand the kind of voice they use, but not a human, not at all. That doesn't match whatsoever. The uh, the other dude who's in here, the guy who worked for the Empire, the Admiral, yeah, yeah, Admiral Screed, his yeah, voice sounded a lot. It kept sounding like Shredder, and then it would sound a little bit different. You know, there was a lot of inconsistencies. In fact, there's this one. There's like one frame of animation that creeped me out because <laughs> it was this part where um, where Admiral Screed and General Kung are 
talking and it, and it does this close up on Kung. And for just one frame of animation, Kung's eyes drop halfway down his face. Oh, I, like I remember right above that. his yeah. nose and then come right back up. And I was like, ah, sick. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> like, maybe he is an so alien. Gross. Maybe that explains the voice. So nasty. <laughs> so Oren gets kidnapped. This girl who I guess at this point, Mungo has developed sort of a thing for. We didn't get a lot of backstory on Mungo because he's been in some of the previous episodes that we did not see. So we're coming into this with the history that's there or a relationship that's developed over a period of time. This kind of takes place in like this jungle-ish kind of planet. At least least it starts out in this jungle-ish part of the planet and moves to something completely different. Yeah. But... They're they're like in this like village that seems very underdeveloped, like something you would run into like in like an African jungle kind of thing. You know, well, it's kind of like, like uh, in on indoor. Yeah, they're like living in huts and um, you know, really simple clothing, tools, stuff right. like that. Yeah, so. yeah. When she gets kidnapped and Mungo goes after her, he has this clay stuff that he stuck part of it in her belt. No, and for some reason, no one saw it, like not even her. And it was very yeah. obvious and out there that he did that. But and he keeps the other half of it. And what this clay does, it, the other half points to the uh, it needs to be complete, I guess. So it points to its other half. Like, that's another thing we didn't get the backstory on. He said that someone had given it to him, but we don't know that character either. So right. uh, this is it was a little hard to follow that part of it. But I mean, I get the gist of it and what they were doing. So this is their compass, essentially. Using this clay, they sneak to, like you said, it is different in this part because it goes from forest to like a a volcano. It's like volcano, but icy and stuff. Yeah. Around it too. It's it's So there's all kinds of climates on this planet. Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. What happens uh, earlier on, Kung sends out this poison to impress Screed, I guess, to show him that he means business. And Screed's like, you know, you're an idiot because last time we used this and the only the reason we haven't used it since is because it killed half of the, you know, Imperials too. So you're a fool for using this. It's a very like Agent Orange kind of thing. Right. That they're going with. Chemical weapon, basically. Yeah, I mean, and they don't so they don't say they die from it. They say they, they disappear. This or disappear. It, right. But they die. And yeah, so they're, they're dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so they uh um, Mungo and the, the droids sneak into the volcano. Um, well, first they sneak like around it looking for an entrance. They find this random mirror there. Right. It, it's a trap, apparently. Which is weird because when they look in the mirror, um, R2-D2 and C-3PO's colors change in the mirror, but not Mungo's. Like, yeah. he looks exactly the same. Like, maybe it just reflects metal in a weird way. I don't know. Yeah, I have no it explanation. Makes, it makes no sense. And, and sometimes it, like, it. sometimes it zooms in, like, really far on certain things. Like, when when he first looks C-3PO, you just see his, like, head reflected. Yeah. Then, then in one frame, you see everybody, like, the same size as they actually are. And then another reflection is just, like, the thing that 3PO is holding in his hand, like dramatically enlarged i'm like this doesn't make any sense and what what this mirror ends up doing the trap to it is that it shrinks people down to size i guess and or shrinks anything down to size that yeah. come near it or touch it and that happens to be r2d2 who turns into a little r2d2 looking toy 
And it's awesome. In in that same, I mean, like I was saying earlier, like it's not focused on these characters, but they're super useful because he shrunk down. Now he's able to sneak into this volcano lair. Right. And find Orin and freeze her, and it's Not temporary. Freeze, but but yeah, lets it, her loose. yeah, it doesn't freeze her. That comes later <laughs> with the freezing stuff. But yeah, freeze her from the volcano. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Um, uh, I I like the guards who are distracted by pies. I also like how Mungo like just runs at them with a blanket and tackles them, and he's like, "Hiya!" <laughs> oh yeah, and it doesn't show the tackle either; it just shows the hiya. And yeah, then that's with it. A, with a blanket, and then they're down, and <laughs> it's just like, yeah, the deed is done. It must have been a really uh, dangerous blanket he had. Oh, when R two D two sneaking in, there's a weird cat snake looking thing. Ugh. There wasn't much done with that. It just kind of hissed and chased him a little bit. I don't like cat snakes. They're gross. <laughs> The end of this thing was super convoluted. Like, it was just all over the place because... So they're escaping to this ship, and then Mungo wanted to go for this other ship, too. But the bad guys caught up with him, and he then he starts trying to make, like, a deal with them. Like, he'll give them the location of the runestones if they promise not to attack that village anymore. So I'm like, so you're going to give the Empire what they want, Based on a promise that they will leave this one village alone. For mm-hmm. one, that's screwed up. And two, they're totally just going to kill you after they get what they want anyway. And they'll kill the village just to spite you. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, terrible planning. But then C-3PO and R2 like goof something up and hit a laser and it starts shooting. And then just all hell kind of breaks loose and like the bad guys or the admiral um screed is like fire at them so they're firing back and forth and then they accidentally shoot away this wall and show where the rune stones are admiral screed is like oh they're for me and kung's like no they're mine so they kind of like fight a little bit like he he throws mungo off of that ship and right. tries to get in it and take the rune stones for himself and he ends up shooting them and it ends up like starting to freeze everything and just so much weird stuff, like all within <laughs> yeah. a matter of a minute. And it was just all over the place. That I felt like the writers were like, I don't know what to do. Let's <laughs> just, it was almost like two different people were working on it. And it just, it didn't make any sense to me. It just was all over the place. Kung had gotten exposed to that poison thing and he was going to die or he was going to disappear. Right. Um, so, but and, then uh, um, Baobab throws him the, some, the antidote, yeah. but it's too late. It's too late, and then Kung just disappears, and he's not. Dis- he's, he's dead. dead. He Kung- just straight up dies. He evaporates. <laughs> but I guess they're able to get antidote to uh, to Oran's mom. I guess. Mm-hmm. So yeah, because R two D two had I. Either R2 or C-3PO had kept one of the rune stones, and the rune oh, yeah, stones R2 is the only thing it. that can cure that poison. Right. Yeah, R2 kept it in his little thing and reveals it and saves Oren's mom. But I'm like, okay, th- there's no way they're the only two living in that village. Does that mean everyone else just died? Like, <laughs> they're just like, well, we can save one, but <laughs> that's it. Who knows? Save this one. Maybe they made a shake out of it and everybody took a sip. Man, the whole end of this episode, it's kind of like, it doesn't matter. You just need to know that the bad guys screw everything up and then Kung dies. Yeah. And then Oren and Mungo start making out even though Mungo's like 40 and Oren looks like she's like 14. <laughs> and it's really creepy. 
like they 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 give the impression the whole time that Warren's kind of like a teenager or something. Like she seems really young, you know, because she's she's living with her mom, and her mom doesn't look very old either. But he's like constantly talking about how special she is, and they're just straight up making out at the end. And I'm like, dang, Star Wars doesn't give any. <laughs> She changed his heart basically because apparently he's kind of a he's kind of a smuggler dude who didn't care about anybody and whatever, and now he's kind of softened up in a very Han Solo esque way. Uh, maybe parts of him softened up, but one part didn't. Always, you always got to take it somewhere terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and he uh, he ends it with uh, "You're the best friends I could ever hope for," uh. and that's how it closes out. <sighs> that's Star Wars droids. It's about time we call in the favor that Boba Fett owes us and have him hunt down our inner kids to see what they thought of Star Wars droids. I love this cartoon because it was so awesome and there was all this cool action and all these battles and it was really funny. And oh wait, it's opposite day. This cartoon was really boring and kind of dumb. It wasn't as bad as Ewoks, so I gave it two bowls of This Is A Bad Idea cereal out of five. And at least it had C-3PO and R2-D2. And Boba Fett. But everything else? Meh. Being a big fan of the Star Wars franchise, I came into this very hopeful, but also ready to see something on par with Ewoks. Fortunately, droids definitely exceeded the other show, in my opinion, really fleshing out the stories. As strange as it is to say, this cartoon actually felt more serious than Ewoks did, in part because we weren't following a group of talking teddy bears around, but also because I didn't notice too many cheap gags thrown into the mix just for a laugh. I'll give Star Wars droids four big bowls of C-3P Cheerios cereal out of five, while not without its flaws, I appreciate what the show added to the Star Wars Extended Universe, and with some minor tweaks here and there, could definitely see this as EU canon. As for you, Boba Fett, did you really have to encase Chris and I both in Carbonite to get us over here? I would have come willingly, and I even told you so. Listen, I'm not trying to tell you how to do your job or anything, and maybe it's the Carbonite sickness talking, but that just seems like a waste of good resources to me. Uh, sorry about that, Boba. Uh, young me just started watching Captain Planet and got really serious about taking pollution down to zero. Uh, <laughs> the power is his and whatnot. Oh my God, C3P Cheerios. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, would, I would, I would eat that. I would definitely give it a shot. Yeah, a little R2D2 marshmallows. That'd be great. Oh, of course. Somewhere this has to exist. Somewhere. I think there was a droid cereal, probably. There'd have to be. Oh, I miss Ninja Turtle cereal. You remember that stuff? You remember Ghostbuster cereal? Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so oh, many good man. cereals. Any any cereal based off of cartoon is a great idea. Exactly. But any moon pie based off of a cartoon is a terrible idea because that Ninja Turtle one was sick. <laughs> you know, I did like Ninja Turtles popsicles though with the terrible oh, yeah. gumball eyes. Oh yeah, those were the best. Those gumball eyes though were like rocks. Like you bit oh, into yeah, them, yeah. you broke I'm a pretty tooth. Pretty sure I broke a tooth. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's how I lost all my baby teeth. <laughs> nice. Do you have any final thoughts on Star Wars droids? Like my inner kid said, I appreciated this show for what it was. I mean, it was definitely a product of uh, almost advertisement for Star Wars in many ways with the addition of the lightsaber and bringing in a lot of those characters just to be recognizable. I also think that there were some interesting concepts brought up and like that the droids were used much in the same way that they were in the movies, which is as uh, side characters who were drivers for the overall plot. Like, even though they're not the most important thing there, they're still catalysts that without them, really everything would have fallen apart at the seams. It's almost like just underappreciated assets of the Star Wars universe. And in that way, I think that the the cartoon definitely utilized them very successfully in comparison. 
you were very nice to this show. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked it a lot. As my inner kid said, it wasn't as bad as Ewoks, but I did not care for it. Um, there were some redeeming qualities, which was pretty much like Anthony Daniels voicing C-3PO again. Mm-hmm. We had we got to see Boba Fett. There were some cool callbacks to other things in Star Wars, but I just I didn't really care that much for any of the other characters that they introduced, and I felt like it moved kind of slow. Overall, not a show I would want to spend any more time on. I guess the title of it made me think it was going to be one thing, so I had certain expectations, and it went the complete opposite way. So, like, right Mm. off the bat, I was kind of set up for failure by myself for being disappointed. I think that was, like, the the reoccurring thing with each episode is something was disappointing, and I was like, ah, Oh. Now, it's funny what you disliked most about it is what I liked most about it. It's it's a very... (laughs) I don't know if there's been any series that we've watched so far that we've been at such a crossroads on and gone the completely opposite directions. Oh, definitely. I think this is the first for sure. Yeah, so that's interesting. But it also could just be because I, you know, I've loved Star Wars for a long time. So it's hard for me to dislike Star Wars things. Except for Ewoks. Ewoks. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. That was terrible. We can agree that that was terrible. Yeah, that wasn't that didn't feel like Star Wars to me. That I would not count as canon. Like, I don't care about those Ewoks. Well, listeners, it looks like our milk supply has now run dry. So it's time for us to say goodbye. And next week we'll be watching. Transformers, submitted via Twitter by at Global Icon 2012. Spoiler alert, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> Once again, I'm Joseph. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm Chris. And we'll see you next Saturday. Presented by NerdSloth. A place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com.